This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. You are listening to Pain.tv slash gold. And this is the Dustin Gold Standard, ladies and gentlemen. All right, let's get back to Dr. James Giordano, folks. Just try to absorb what... um. What he is saying here, I just brought it back about 20 seconds. Said we can break down any form of weaponology into two discrete categories, soft weapons and hard weapons. In the former categorization, soft weapons include but are not limited to such things like economic leveraging to create economics, market values, market presence, presence at international bargaining tables to develop international power and leverage as a soft weapon. Clearly, the more we're able to make an impact in a field, in a dimension, by virtue of research, medicine, technology, infiltration to a variety of areas of the public space, the more we're able to yield economic strong-arming, economic leveraging. I think an important consideration that I'll reiterate later in this particular lecture is that there are countries outside the United States and or the West that are increasing their capabilities by intent in the brain sciences so as to be able to gain this type of economic leveraging in international global markets, in medicine, science, technology, and the military. Most notably among them is China. We'll talk more about that momentarily. We will talk more about China momentarily, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, we will, Dr. Giordano. So just absorb what he's saying there. He's talking about a soft weapon being economics. All right, let's continue. We can also utilize weapons in more of a soft approach, as I mentioned earlier. The more I know about what makes you tick, the more I might be able to do things like weaponize the approach that I then take towards you in my interactions and engagements with you. Here we can utilize the brain sciences for psychological operations. Most notably, one of the DARPA programs run by the case manager, by the program manager Bill Kaysbeer, Dr. Bill Kaysbeer, who subsequently went on to be a program manager at Lockheed Martin and run their brain machine interfacing programs. Bill Casebeer's program was called Narrative Networks. And one component of the Narrative Networks project was something called neural narratives. If we understand how it is that brains and individuals, groups, and populations respond to certain forms of imaging, memes, iconographies, engagements, the more we may be able to tail those things through our psychological operations, propaganda, meso, to be able to engage these individuals more positively. Okay, let, let's play that back for a second, folks. Now, here's the interesting part. When he is giving this lecture to these West Point cadets, and once in a while they do show a zoom out of the room, and I will tell you, these kids look lost, folks, lost. Because he's up there throwing all these big words, big terms at them. And unless you're in the field of neuroscience or some type of an intelligence expert, connected to this type of science or you were trained in this field you really have to keep stopping and listening to what he's saying 
And then to be able to actually break this down is quite difficult. And so he's talking about basically understanding what makes you tick, what makes you talk, and then creating information as he's talking about intelligence, psychological operations, utilizing marketing techniques. He's talking about memes and graphics and such that play to exactly it's designed for you it's personalized propaganda basically designed to get at what makes you tick and what makes you talk let's listen to that one more time soft approach as i mentioned earlier the more i know about what makes you tick the more i might be able to do things like weaponize the approach that i then take towards you in my interactions and engagements with you see he's talking about weaponizing the approach that he takes towards you okay so if he knows what makes you tick he knows what makes you talk he can then weaponize that uh basically weaponize his response to you remember he opened up i'm looking at my notes here this conversation that we reviewed yesterday in episode 65 he opened up telling the cadets that in their personal and professional lives they would come across weaponized neurocognitive science at least some point throughout their professional or personal lives. And he told them to remember WMD squared, that is weapons of mass destruction and disruption and influence. So he's talking about disrupting and influencing. And at this stage here, he's talking about influencing. So understanding what makes you tick and talk and then basically manipulating your response through weaponized propaganda essentially weaponized information so they have intelligence on you they weaponize the response now as he's talking about memes and gifs and images you know the first thing that pops into my mind as he's talking about a soft approach a psyop designed to manipulate designed to influence is QAnon. okay QAnon is what uh, my personal guess on QAnon was it was some sort of a program probably run out of DARPA, probably run by someone like this guy. I know people have theories on where it came from, who ran it. People have said they're involved. But my guess is it was probably cooked up by someone like this and was a study an ongoing study in how to manipulate people again if they know what makes you tick and talk if they know you want to save america from pedophiles they can feed you all sorts of weaponized information to manipulate you and then essentially control your actions and if you remember let me see if i have this right here from dr charles morgan the third and he had told us that uh let me see i'm looking at my notes folks but he had said a quote that was very important it was basically if you can control the past uh then you can control a human's actions so if you can manipulate sort of the history you can actually predict what the human is going to do and so all this has to do with this mind melding mind control mind hacking everything is about taking control and manipulating people or as dr james giordano would call it influencing they could disrupt and then influence all right let's continue here we can utilize the brain sciences for psychological operations most notably one of the DARPA programs run by the case manager, by the program manager, Bill Kaysbeer, Dr. Bill Kaysbeer, 
who subsequently went on to be a program manager at Lockheed Martin and run their brain machine interfacing programs. Okay, so he just said Lockheed Martin, so we know that now. Lockheed Martin has a brain machine interface program or programs, as he said. So that uh, that's basically like Neuralink brain chip, the BMIs, the brain machine interfaces. So he's talking about a guy who was running this program inside of DARPA who now went on to run this BMI program at Lockheed Martin. Just an interesting piece of intelligence we picked up that we can probably go down that path later. Let's continue. Bill Casebeer's program was called Narrative Networks. And one component of the Narrative Networks project was something called Neural Narratives. If we understand how it is that brains and individuals, groups, and populations respond to certain forms of imaging, memes, iconographies, engagements, the more we may be able to tail those things through our psychological operations, propaganda, meso, to be able to engage these individuals more. Uh, let's just run that back one more time, folks. That's very important because he's using the word propaganda right there. Hold on. Programs. Bill Casebeer's program was called Narrative Networks. And one component of the Narrative Networks project was something called Neural Narratives. If we understand how it is that brains and individuals, groups, and populations respond to certain forms of imaging, memes, iconographies, engagements, the more we may be able to tail those things through our psychological operations, propaganda, meso, to be able to engage these individuals in more positive ways or in ways that are more influential, to be able to direct their behaviors, their predispositions, and perhaps their engagements with us on a variety of levels from the individual all the way up to the political. Now, now, let me just pause that for a second, because, again, folks, remember what I told you, and I just brought it back up. He's talking about us as the enemy. So when he's saying the ability to manipulate, the ability to influence, the ability to change behaviors so that the enemy, which is us, interacts with them, which is the elites, the technocratic transhumanists, the prison planet wardens, the social engineers, that's who he works for, um, and so that people like us remain docile and interact with them in a way that benefits them. All right, and so I pose the question, why have you not seen the people rise up over, let's just say, the last two and a half years where they treat us like dogs, like slaves, like machines, and we have not acted out against them in any way whatsoever on a large scale. We are not a threat to them. Maybe, just maybe, they've been manipulating us. Again, this speech is from 2018 to the West Point Academy. Let's continue. But then, of course, we move into the more harder forms of weapons, things such as bullets and bombs. And here, once again, let me reiterate, we're talking about, on the neuro side, are drugs, bugs, toxins, and devices. Right, again, now we have that written down in our notes from yesterday. Drugs, bugs, toxins, and devices. So he has this under what he calls hard weapons. And this is talking about neuroscience technology. So brain science as weapons. Drugs, bugs, toxins, and devices. Let's continue. But of course, if we spill over the idea of soft weaponology into a hard weaponization, we also see the use of biodata as a viable weapon. manipulating. Okay, so biodata, and this is a lot of what Yuval Noah Harari speaks about, the ability for the state to control you and manipulate you because they know you better than you know yourself. So remember, this guy, Dr. James Giordano, opened up this lecture by talking to the cadets about their digital profile and their psychological jacket that they have on each one of them. And trust me, they have 
have it on all of us as well. And he talked about these large databases with all of this neuroscience biodata on each and every person. All right, let's continue. Of biodata as a viable weapon. Manipulating biodata so that I can then put into your particular medical records subtle information that may change the disposition of whether you're sick or not. Change how you're treated. Influence the postures that go to you in terms of insurance, care, viability for military service. By altering that information, by changing those data, by purloining those data, I essentially change the you of you. Okay, so what he's talking about here, uh, at least the way I interpret it, folks, is that he's talking about hacking in to a set of data, basically your jacket, your profile, your file. Okay, and so let's just look at it as your health file. So you go to your doctor or whatever, and there is a file your doctor has. And let's say, I don't know, you're older, you are a diabetic, you have high blood pressure. Um, maybe you have, uh, you're taking some kind of blood thinners. And so what he's talking about is their ability to hack into that medical file and change those records. Therefore, the treatment that you receive or the job you have access to or the uh, the uh, your rise he's talking to them in the military changes based on your health records changing so changing the you of you is their ability to hack in and change this bio data on you not to advance to be honest with you I don't think that's that advanced if I'm interpreting it correctly but trust me folks when we get back there's a whole lot more this guy has thought through all of it you're listening to one of your enemies speak directly to you about what it is they can and have done to you, to me, to all of us. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll be right back. My name is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold of the Dustin Gold Standard right here on Payne.tv slash gold. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here we go. I want to get right back to this, but you know what? I want to address something. I just saw a note pop in. And there's a number of people in the uh, Twitter community, the uh, pain.tv slash gold community, that have asked me to slow down. And not, not slow down, I think, in the way that I do each show, but to slow down because I'm putting out seven two-hour shows a week. And so, because I don't really do daily news, you guys could listen to these at any time you want. Excuse me, folks. This final piece of this cold is uh coming out of my nose right now but no the um you can listen to these anytime you want i mean uh so i'm gonna keep pumping out the episodes i do one show a day two hours a day and that will continue for the foreseeable future until i decide that the show is no longer viable um i have to do it this way because I need to continue to speak, and there's so much information to cover. Remember, this is years and years and years of stuff I've been following that I am now trying to put out there for people that haven't had the opportunity to research this stuff themselves. And so in 
instead of you having to spend thousands of hours of your time, I could cut that down to hundreds of hours of your time by just listening to this podcast and then you can continue to research on the stuff you find interesting on your own. But I am not going to slow down, folks. And it's not like it matters because if you get behind on this, it's like watching a TV show. You could pick it up at any time. If you missed Breaking Bad or you missed Ray Donovan 10 years ago, 15 years ago, whenever it is it came out, you can go back and watch that now and it doesn't matter. And the same goes uh, for this show. And that is why I intentionally don't do a lot of breaking news because I want people to be able to listen to these episodes at any time they so choose. All right. So I am going to keep popping these out. I can't slow down. If people can't keep up, that's fine. Just bookmark the episodes and listen to them later. Uh, That is how it is designed to work. But uh, this is a college course. If this was going on every day, your professor would not slow down. He would just keep going and you would have to get a recording of that missed class from a classmate. All right. Let's continue here with Dr. James Giordano. And I can do that in very subtle and insidious ways. Furthermore, I can do that on a variety of different levels that can affect key individuals so that, in fact, your medical record changes to thereby render you incapable or at least invalid to be able to serve in a way you're serving. Or I can do that on a much larger scale, groups, populations. And if I change those data, I change the way you're being regarded and treated. And I can do that in one of two ways. Okay, okay, pause there for a second. So again now... He makes the point right there that he could hack your file individually or he can hack a group of people's files and change their data in this file, rendering them incapable of accessing whatever job, benefit, whatever it may be, whatever it may be. And so that's similar to what I told you when Dr. Charles Morgan III said that they could create a disease targeted to one person's DNA. And let's say they knew that I was going to be in, uh, let's see, Nashville, Tennessee. And so they drop this bioweapon on Nashville, Tennessee. Nobody gets sick, but it only kills me based on my DNA profile. And I told you if they could do it to one person, they could do it to a group of people based on, let's say, several traits within people's DNA. They could group it no matter what, based on if you're uh, European, if you're blue-eyed, brown, whatever it is, they could target entire groups of people and so now he's talking about data bio data hacking into data and let's say changing a classification on an entire group of people so just put it in simple terms let's say you have your child's kindergarten class and there's 30 kids in that class and so there's 14 of them that they don't want to be able to i don't know get on to the kindergarten soccer team whatever that is And so there's 15 kids they don't want to get on. Let's say those are the, uh, I don't know, let's say they're Caucasian kids. And so they could change their bio data. It says each of them has a heart murmur. And the next thing you know, they're disqualified from getting on the soccer team. That's basically what he's saying in simple terms. All right, let's continue. I can do it in such a way that you're going to be regarded in a negative sense. Or I can do it in such a way that I'm going to treat you incorrectly. If I say, for example, you have a particular allergy, or you have particular sensitivities, or you have a particular disorder, you will be treated for that, and that could then harm your health and your stability in both a short wars approach as well as a long wars approach. 
Okay, so you heard that. That's the other part of what he's talking about there, folks. The ability to put into your file that you have diabetes, right? Or that you have some sort of uh, issue with your blood pressure. And the next thing you know, the doctor is giving you blood pressure pills. You know, and then the next thing you know, that goes to harm you because you're getting a treatment that you shouldn't be treated with. Now, Let's see if he talks about how this could be done. I don't know. Let's say, for instance, you gave people a COVID test, and that COVID test was returning a false result. In fact, the test results were then kind of like hacking your bio data because it tells you you do have COVID when you don't have COVID. And the next thing you know, you're taking a bunch of drugs that let's say you don't really need. That is how I would do something like this. I'm just throwing an example out there, something that most of you could relate to because we're very well aware of COVID and COVID land, the high school theater production. All right, let's continue. But if we take a look at this in a little more detail, you can see that once again, it falls back to the idea of what can we do to ours and what can be done to others. Clearly, one dimension, one domain of operational viability and value is to enhance the capabilities of the combat and intelligence operator across a range of scalabilities in both general purpose and more select forces. And this is the idea of neuro-enablement. Okay, so what he's talking about here, again, up on the screen, he has uh, <clears throat> neuroscience and technology battle space applications. So basically brain science battle space applications. And he's talking about operators and war fighters, neuro-enablement. Advanced Neuropsychopharmacologics, Computational Brain Machine Interfaces, Closed Loop Brain Stimulation Approaches, and Neurosensory Augmentation Devices. So he's talking about the ability to manipulate the mind of the warfighter, let's say what he would call the good guy, and the mind of the enemy, the bad guy. So right now he's talking about the mind of the quote-unquote good guy, his team, his team, not our team, his team. Neuro-enablement. You will hear this referred to in a variety of different ways. Performance optimization, enhancement, enablement, maximization. These terms mean something. A number of years ago, our group was tasked with the Air Force to develop a lexicon, a nomenclature, that would be able to define these in more precise ways. I'm not bore you with that now. But the idea of enablement gives forth, I think, a particular meaning that's relevant. You're enabling individuals to do some aspects of a performance of a task that is germane and justified to their operational mission and that is in fact done with regard to protection of their charges. So in other words, we're saying, we're gonna make you good to go and we've decided that this is good. The reason this can become problematic, of course, is that what definition of good are we using? What we define, whoever the proverbial we may be, to be good might be quite different than what they, whoever the proverbial they is. And as a consequence, we have to keep a much broader window of opportunity and possibility open to be aware for the potential benefits, burdens, and risks that this type of engagement may pose. What types of things can we do to make our people better, if you will? Well, certainly we can use a variety of advanced psychopharmacologics and neuropharmacologics, in other words, drugs. And I refer you to a wonderful book written by a colleague of mine. Okay, let's just pause for a second here. 
um, because we got to take a breather again. Here he goes where he's packing all kinds of information in. And so he says, of course, he's, he's mixing in the ethics, right? So we have to think about the proverbial we and the proverbial they. And if we think something is good, what's the definition of good versus they who's receiving the treatment versus we giving the treatment and who thinks this and thinks that and thinks this. You see, folks, it's just a bunch of problem reaction solution going on. And you're going to continue to see this and other stuff we're going to review having to do with the ethics of the Cyborg Soldier 2050, which is he's basically talking about right here. So you see how they're creating a whole series of problems coming out of this. All right, let's continue. What types of things can we do to make our people better, if you will? Well, certainly we can use a variety of advanced psychopharmacologics and neuropharmacologics. In other words, drugs. And I refer you to a wonderful book written by a colleague of mine, Professor Jonathan Moreno, called Mind Wars. First edition came out in 2006. Second edition came out in 2012. And Professor Moreno does a very good job in defining and explaining the history and historicity of the way the brain and cognitive sciences had been used in national security, intelligence, and defense operations, both by the United States and more globally. And what we see is that this is certainly not a new event. We can look back into antiquity and see that there have been attempts to try to maximize the performance, capability, sustainability, and protection of those individuals who are operational warfighters, literally from ancient Rome and Greece all the way to the 20th and now 21st century. It's the tools and techniques based upon the understanding and depth that we have that increases the granularity and specificity of effect and increases the sophistication and gravitas of outcome. Okay, so do you understand what he's saying here? I mean, are you picking it up? Because I'm, I'm trying to get back to where I was yesterday where I'm not going to pause this thing every sentence for you. Some of this stuff, you got to just let him talk. As I said, he's like a talk radio host, and he likes to throw in a lot of uh, you know big words, combine them together. Some of the stuff, to be honest, he is, uh, he is just trying to sound cool in front of a bunch of children. Um, he's at the West Point Military Academy talking to the cadets about brain science and the brain being the battlefield and uh, obviously you can see he spends a lot of time in the classroom uh, i was just going to remind this back for a second because there were some important parts of this there have been attempts to try to maximize the performance capability sustainability and protection of those individuals who are operational warfighters literally from ancient rome and greece all the way to the 20th and now 21st century Okay, so part of what he's talking about there, we've come across this before in some of the podcasts featuring, let's say, Dr. Peter Emanuel and Diane Dulius. They start to make justifications for what they're doing now, building these transhumanist monsters, because they're saying, well, in the past, throughout history, so-and-so gave their warfighters drugs to sharpen their mind or to allow them to stay awake for a couple of days, so tapping into the head creating iron man's creating incredible hulks is okay because this stuff has been done 
in the past. So, folks, I'm going to let you take a quick break from him. You have to because, as again, he talks so fast, folks. And I had a lot of people write me uh, over the last couple of weeks, as I said, I was going to get to Dr. James Giordano. told me that they listened to him a couple of years ago. It was terrifying, but they really didn't understand it. And if I sat here and broke down every single thing he said, it would take us a year to get through this speech because I said he likes to pack a lot of information into one sentence. But a lot of what he says really isn't that important. He just likes to use a lot of adjectives, a lot of bullet points, a lot of footnotes, when in fact what he's talking about is brain hacking, mind control, and now he's talking about using drugs, pharmaceuticals to enhance a warfighter's behavior. That's what he's getting into right now. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. He is Dr. James Giordano, and we are going to finish breaking him down when I get back. This is pain.tv slash gold, and you are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. 